Hello everyone and welcome to the Athlete Drive podcast. I'm your host Lee Eldridge. In this podcast we'll be talking to elite coaches, practitioners, athletes and high achievers about how to improve performance. We'll be covering topics such as training, improving your sport, work and overall life. I hope you enjoy the show today. Please feel free to leave a review. Guys, we're joined today by Dave Jackson, who is a breathing coach, ex-professional rugby player, um, and he's agreed to come on and talk a little bit more about breathing and how it's helped him and also the way that he's going about his coaching. So Dave, if you could just, we just mentioned it, but could you just talk about how you got into breathing and working as an accredited Oxygen Advantage coach? Um, yeah, no, sure. I um, It's probably something I should have done uh, many, many, many years ago. It's something I wish I'd have known whilst I was playing professional rugby, but it's probably, even though some of the research goes back quite far, um, it wasn't in the sort of public domain. It wasn't something, the only thing we got sort of advice on breathing would be, literally be when you're absolutely blowing out of your ass in a fitness session or something, it'd be like, put your hands on your head, like get, get up off the floor and, and try to get some big breaths in. That was about as far as it, it took. No one was talking about breath work. No one was talking about the importance of breathing and how it can affect our actual performance whether that's anaerobic or whether that's aerobic stuff. And um, I, the reason I ended up getting into it was 2013, off the back of probably 10 head injuries, my final head injury that made me retire from pro rugby. I had a seizure on the field. It was taking less to knock me out. It took a lot, very long time for me to get back on my feet. Um, I was still getting headaches and, and symptoms a year, well, it took about a year to get over those um, in total from even when I was just going out jogging and stuff. But, um, Probably went for about three or four, it wasn't until about three years ago. So probably up until like 2017, 18, did I start to explore. There's still something not quite right for me. Um, and something potentially going on in the background was what probably my intuition was telling me. And, and breathing t- kept coming up as one of those things that was getting a bit of like chatting. I started asking myself that question of like, am I breathing right? I don't know. And because I couldn't answer those questions, it was, I got put onto the auction advantage by uh, Richie Norton. Um, after one of his workshops and he'd been on our podcast um and I just wanted to know a bit more I wanted to like go deep into it so I I did the instructor training um, with Patrick McKeon the author of the Auction Advantage and um only purely to just help me retrain my breathing patterns that have been affected because of my head injury yeah uh, I, I wasn't aware of that at the time and so it took a few years for me to like piece that puzzle together but your respiratory engine your, in your brainstem and the medulla that you know gets um gets injured, gets rattled, gets shaked during those head injuries and oxygen supply can get altered to and blood supply. And then therefore you're breathing like patterns, mechanics, your respiratory response, all those things, unless uh, treated and rehabilitated with better breathing patterns or retrain those breathing patterns can, can stay affected for years. Um, so I've done a lot of um, understanding about that just for my own benefit. But then the problem is when you when you're a bit of a coach and you get a bit something sort of changes your life it's very difficult to keep that to yourself or that you know why would you want to keep that to yourself so I've been um I've been probably shouting about breathing through your nose and the importance of breathing better whether it's like managing stress or whether it's just like improving your like uh aerobic capacity so that you can enjoy just your general training better whether you're like you know a professional sports person looking to improve your sports performance um it can help all three of those areas it's something that I've been I almost get more and more passionate about the more the more you do it because of the results you see from people. Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on there. You're obviously talking about from physiological advantages, but 
more so now, especially, for example, we saw with the French rugby team, they scored a try, all came together, did some, some nose or nasal breathing to probably to maybe set their state. And how, how do you think that's going to benefit, you know, not just professional rugby players or, but anyone playing sport on a weekend or during the week? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because we're probably, we start to um, differentiate these two things of going like, okay, like what about the, the biomechanics of what's going on? What about the, the biochemistry of what's going on? What about the effect on the nervous system? Yeah. All these things are actually linked. So when they go into nasal breathing, it's nasal breathing provides some resistance to our breathing. So it's going to slow down our breathing that will help them like not get too over aroused from a, from a nervous system point of view. But equally, the resistance that that provides helps you to stimulate your diaphragmatic breathing. But this, the, the, that resistance that's going to slow down the breathing compared to mouth breathing, where it can be sort of as, as fast as you want, doesn't actually help you recover your breathing and get oxygen um, delivered most efficiently to the tissues because the, uh, the slowing down can help. Uh, there's research saying like up to 20% increase in oxygen yeah. supply to the tissues. That's to do with like how well it's getting into the lungs, how well it's getting from the lungs to the blood, which the nose helps with because of nitric oxide, which is helps distribute blood within the lungs more evenly and helps actually with circulation and the dilating red vessels, as does the CO2 that you allow to build up a little bit um, by slowing down your breathing. And that CO2 is the catalyst to allow uh, oxygen that's being carried by hemoglobin in red blood cells to be released, known as the Bohr effect. That was, that's, this, that's like 1904 Christian Bohr like, noticed this or, or, or a, a, a discovered this. That we need oxygen, uh, so we need carbon dioxide, the presence of that to allow oxygen to be released from hemoglobin in the red blood cells to get into the tissue. So there's probably a magnitude of things going on in that, and it's it's great to see it being done, you know, because once it's done at the top, then everyone starts to take notice and goes, What's France doing? What's okay, so and then it's gonna start to filter down. And um, I've been it's been a nice I've been getting back into like I sort of hadn't done anything in rugby for quite a few years and the, the, the breath of us have brought me into that. We've worked with some, um, yeah, Prem teams and, and, and players in, in that sort of area. And it's been, yeah, it's been nice to see, be able to, because I've, as I said at the beginning, like, I wish I'd known this stuff when I was playing because it would have massively helped my fitness and my performance. Um, but equally, there's, I don't know, when you're, when you're a coach, there's easily, easily, like, just as enjoyable, if not potentially more enjoyable to, not just for yourself, but like to give it to that many other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of, um, you know, I think when I look back to sports science, early 2000, we're always talking about amount of oxygen, VO2 max. That's the most in that, you know, we're chasing that all the time. And then probably in the last five years with the work of, you know, not just the oxygen advantage, but uh, the guys that shift adapt, Brian McKenzie, James Nestor, all those guys that are coming through now, we've seen this shift of the importance of CO2 and also the ability to, to have a good CO2 tolerance. Yeah. And for me, I watched the other day that, you know, you made a video about nasal, you know, nasal breathing while running. Um, and it's impossible not to go for a run and see people who are just mouth to mouth breathers all the time. Yeah. Um, it could just, comment or just just talk about the benefits of nasal breathing while doing some aerobic training yeah sure um, and also like to give a little bit of, we've got we've got to give kudos and shout out to um the people that are actually doing the research so look, those people that you mentioned like patrick me so sharing stuff on social media um james nester he's doing some like tremendous work and brian mckenzie but you you've got the like 
uh, George Dallum, who's like done research in this uh, triathlon, Olympic triathlon coach, uh, war runs in, in, in France, like the guys that are actually doing the research, a lot of the rest of us are sort of looking at what they do as research and going, okay, that's really interesting. This is how we then apply or someone like Patrick McKeon or James, this is write an actual, actual yeah, yeah. book. And it, interestingly, that the, the researchers themselves don't necessarily always, they might get reference to the thing, but they, they're not the ones writing a book or putting together a program. So we've got to give, uh, it, it, it actually all comes from them. If, if they weren't doing that, we actually wouldn't have the research to back it up. But um, yeah, for a lot of people, if you're like me and you've been used to breathing through, not through your nose for quite some time and you've become maladapted, then all of a sudden, all the, the amazing things that the nose can give us in terms of providing resistance to our breathing to slow it down, which helps that oxygen uptake, um, the nitric oxide that's found in the nose and not in the mouth that helps to open up your airways, keep your nose clear, protects the airways, it's antiviral, so it's going to protect you from COVID when you're going out running um, or even just breathe through your nose at, at all times. But um, yeah, that nitric oxide helps distribute blood within the lungs more even, evenly, so we get better transfer of oxygen once you have actually breathe, breathe it in from your lungs into your tissues, uh, into, into the blood. Um, and that, that slower breathing rate will be calming for the whole sort of nervous system to keep you in a more of a, rather than a, a stress state that that fast panting breathing generates, um, you're going to be able to slow things down. So like mentally, physically, and sort of in terms of the autonomic nervous system, we're having an effect that's going to be calming and going to be more, more efficient when you are going out running. If we are fast panting, we're sending like more of a stress response or signaling to the brain that we're like breathing in a way that we'd normally do when we're stressed and um, running or exercising itself is a stress. So we don't need to like double that up. Plus the fact that it's not efficient. Plus the fact that you lose far more moisture from the mouth. So you're going to get dehydrated to research saying 42%. It's quite exact, isn't it? But like I say, 40% more moisture lost through the mouth when we're mouth breathing compared to nasal breathing. So you're going to get dehydrated uh, more quickly. So hence another reason why we should be breathing through the nose. Effectively, when you, we look at everything to do with breathing and the nose compared to the mouth, everything says that it's more efficient and it's more beneficial and it's healthier for us to breathe um, through the nose. Now, when you start and you're not used to it, the nose is going to feel blocked. I couldn't run to the end of my road, it was about 50 meters, that just snot pouring down my, my face. And it was like, this is impossible. So it's harder at first, but that's because you just haven't done it before and you just, you just become maladapted. The more you do it, um, the more uh, you integrate in nasal breathing day to day during your sleep, Things like breath holding can help with our carbon dioxide tolerance so we get used to it so you can slow down those breathing rates rather than having to be so fast. Because it's fast at the start, particularly when your nose breathing, uh, in terms of the stimulus to breathe. Your body, when you get that urge to breathe and breathe faster, it's not because your brain is noticing oxygen has gone down low, it's because it's noticing that CO2 is high. CO2 is what the brain monitors, main, like not the only thing, but the main thing it notices and the first thing that that level is rising, the respiratory sensor says, right, we need to start to get rid of some of this to normalize things again. So it tells us to breathe. It's not, and then yes, obviously we breathe oxygen in, but that's not actually the primary driver for that respiratory um, stimulus. So as we improve our sensitivity to carbon dioxide, we actually slow down our breathing rates. There's a really interesting one that, um, that um, I mentioned, Dallum, 2018 research he did with um, a group where he tested uh, VO2 max. These were people that had um, trained nasal breathing for at least six months up to three years or, or so, something like that. So they were, they've become adapted to nasal breathing and they compared mouth breathing to nasal breathing in their VO2 max test. And their respiratory rate and the amount of um, the efficiency they were going at was 20, like 20% improvement when they were nasal breathing at their VO2 max. So not like an easy, like steady level, yeah. 
they were actually breathing 22, I think, percent it was less. So when you're actually breathing less, needing less air to work at the same pace, you're saving energy. It's like this, it's energy conservation. And so we become more efficient with not just our breathing, but then that makes us more efficient with our exercise performance as well. Because I think, you know, I think you touched on it on one of your videos is to kind of take the ego out of the situation. Because when you, <laughs> that's first, tough. That's when tough you first start, like you're like, oh, wow, you know, I'm having to walk or people have these reference points and they've had to change it completely because of you've got to slow down to allow yourself to adapt to, to that yeah. breathing. And then you go back up. Yeah, yeah. Back, like, and it's one of those things that, um, crikey, like the, the, the times I've made the least amount of progress with my breathing related to my exercise performance, well, and, and my breathing or anything, is when I've, when I've let my ego stay in the way. Yeah. Um, that's when it's slowed. That's when, it, when I've made the most progress when I've gone, okay, take that away, come back to it. And if, you know, if we're like when we're working with professional athletes that can't reduce all of their training intensity down to like, really low jog or something because that's all they can manage with their nose it's but it's finding bits in our training where we can work on our nasal breathing and our efficiency and then have ourselves tools that we understand the, the efficiency of better breathing meaning um rather than staying away giving ourselves some tools to stay away from that like fast panting breath so understanding that relationship to, that the body has with co2 and oxygen and using some co2 dumps when we need to so we can regulate our breathing <laughs> using like bigger mouth breathing when we have to rather to recover our, our, our breathing when we can't breathe through the nose compared to that fast panting breathing, which is really inefficient and really stressful. And not only when we're talking about sports performance, you're going, if you see someone that's going, <sighs> like, and you're playing a game against them, you know that you, intuitively, even if you don't know anything about training or sorry, anything about uh, breathing, you know that they're knackered and that they're toast. So it's like, it's what it's the body language is signaling. How does, and it's not just the opposition, it's the body language and signaling that's showing your teammates. You're telling your teammates, like with your body language, I'm knackered, guys. And you're even saying it to yourself. Whereas if you can take larger breaths, less per minute, it's more efficient in terms of getting oxygen into the tissues to help you with your recovery. But equally, psychologically, it's playing a massive role on your opposition, yourselves and your teammates. Yeah, I think that's a point is that obviously, you know, with rugby, people are like, well, I can't nasal breathe all the time, but there's opportunities in the game. 100%. To have it's quite an interesting process that no, they don't really have a plan of how to recover from a high intensity yeah. bout. Yeah. You know. And like a game, there's other games, isn't there as well, but like rugby, uh, because I played it. <laughs> so you, you understand, you know, it at least um, those games like that. I like, they're so good for it. Where they look at like the minute minutes, a game of rugby is 80 minutes long. How many minutes is the ball in play for? It's yeah. like, it's less than half probably or something. I don't know what they are, something, but it just shows that there is like, a significant amount of time where the ball is not in play and yeah. therefore you can do something to improve your recovery and get yourself ready for the next bout of, of, of high intensity stuff. And I think that that's, that's an area that is people are exploring and it's only going to get bigger and you're going to see, or the prediction would be you're going to see all sports use elements of it dependent on their sport and how it fits yeah, because um, we're always looking to maximise our, our performance. Is there any point, obviously you touched on nasal breathing, where you might say, hey, look, it's not a bad idea to breathe through your mouth? Or is there any points or anything like that? Would you say, hey, look, it's okay to breathe through your mouth at these times? So if you are, let's take the, if you're a, a recreational runner 
and you know you're training for something where you want to do a certain amount of your training at a certain pace and intensity you don't want to do it all at low level whilst you're adapting that if you make it so stressful to breathe like when you breathe fast through your nose it will like close in so if you're working at a pace that is literally making it like almost feeling like you're suffocating but you're like working hard because jacko said breathe through your nose like that's not going to be beneficial because you're just providing more and more stress on the system and you're you're going to be making it so difficult that um your body is not probably going to want to it's almost like two difficult adaptations happen so at that point we can go like nose in mouth out or if we need to mouth in mouth out but trying to make those breaths larger still working from the diaphragm rather than that sort of like upper chest shallow panting breathing um for when you're at those when you're at those points it might be like a certain point in your run when you're going up a hill or something you can use that but do pay attention to the fact that as you improve yourself in time you're going to need that less and less and less yeah um the if you're a professional athlete where there is a demand to be all out max in a game or in the certain elements of your training then yes you're you're going to benefit from allowing yourself to get more air in quickly but just don't fall into the trap of um that fast shallow breathing which isn't replenishing isn't filling the lungs so every breath we take depending on the size of the person we lose about 150 to 200 milliliters of air to dead space within the within the lungs it just can't be occupied so if i'm taking lots of breaths i'm, I'm wasting a lot of air in dead space if i can take larger breaths and less of them but proportionally bigger so the total volume of air coming through this is is, is the same then I'm going to be getting more usable air into the lungs to get more oxygen into the blood and into the tissues. Um, and then also that's going to encourage you to, to work the mechanics better in terms of using the diaphragm, getting the ribs moving to actually expand better. You know, if you're, if you're just used to vertical upper chest, shallow breathing, you're probably lacking good diaphragm movement. Your diaphragm's probably not going to have been worked that much. So your diaphragm strength and endurance will be impaired and your rib articulation, that'll probably be affecting things like your thoracic mobility and things as well. So there's, there's a whole cascade of things that's going to improve by improving your breathing because it's central to you literally in terms of like <laughs> your body, but it's also central to everything your body's going to do. If you, um, if you don't go without water or food, you can last however long. Try holding your breath. Yeah. How long can we last for? Like it, it's, it's imperative. So um, in, just even if people are listening to this, they're not that much on board. If you just don't just get on board the idea that like an, an agreement of like, yeah, I guess if, if, the, if every cell in my body needs oxygen, if I could be better at getting it in and getting it to the tissues where it's needed, that's going to have some sort of beneficial effect. So you've spoke about or a lot about active movement while, you know, breathing through the nose. Is there anything we can do that's not active that doesn't involve us having to train for it? Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. If you think that if we say, for instance, we, we're training for one or two hours, say you train for two hours a, a day, every day, there's still 22 hours where you're breathing and that, is like the vast majority of the time where that, that you're that you're alive. And so how you breathe during that time potentially is going to set the tone, your habits, um, and have the biggest effect potentially on how you breathe when you do actually exercise. So if you're a terrible breather at rest, or say uh, a good one to, to test would be just like, observe your breathing for a minute, count how many breaths you do. What, what's my current resting breaths per minute? If you're breathing at 20 breaths per minute, and I'm breathing at 10 breaths per minute at rest, well, you're breathing twice as much as me. And then we go to start warming up. Both of our heart rates is going to increase, but you're already starting a higher point. We go yeah. to maximum intensity. Like I've got further to go. Does that make sense? So um, 
and you are setting the tone for that by the, the, the sensitivity your brainstem has to carbon dioxide. And it's going to respond to not just the one hour breathing practice you do, it's going to respond to what every breathing you're doing, whether you're awake or whether you're asleep. So setting the tone for your breathing whilst you're awake, lighter, slower breathing. Deep breathing means using the diaphragm to slow down. It doesn't mean breathing big breaths. So using the diaphragm, uh, breathing through the nose will help with that. And breathing through the nose will help slow our breathing down because of the resistance we talked about, you know, just because they're literally the holes are smaller than, than the mouth. And trying to make your breath like quieter, like silent. That's a good marker of people that's going to help you slow it down and make it a little bit softer, a little bit better. Um, and using some time after training to, to down-regulate. So training is a stressor. So we create this, like, there's going to be a bit of a stress response. Our nervous system is going to shift towards that, that sympathetic tone, that fight or flight response. And to help us down-regulate, using our breathing to help slow down our, our, our breathing, slow down our heart rate and help us shift towards a more parasympathetic response, our, our relaxation, our rest, recover, digest. So before having that protein shake or meal to help you replenish, like, Get the system out of a state of sympathetic tone, get it into parasympathetic tone. Mm. <clears throat> Unfortunately, due to some technical issues on my side, I was unable. Oh, no. Unfortunately, due to technical issues on my side, we were unable to finish off that amazing conversation with Jacko about breathing and performance. His last point was super interesting as well, because it was talking about the benefits of doing passive breath work. You know, we can't train 24 hours a day. What we do outside of our training is super important. If you want to find out more about Jacko, he is on Instagram at Jacko Human Flag and his website is rootedlife.com. If you haven't already, I'd like you to take our peak performance test. The link is in the description just to have a look at where you're performing well and the areas that you need to improve. As always, it's progress over perfection. I hope you have a great rest of the day and see you soon.